Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin, Season 2. Rebel Guru Radio is sponsored by Cramp Medic, the most powerful cramp-fighting supplement on the market. Cramp Medic is a fast-acting muscle cramp supplement with active ingredients magnesium malate, apple cider vinegar, and it has cayenne pepper to expand blood flow for rapid delivery of powerful key electrolytes and micronized mineral-dense cramp-fighting nutrients, a combined effect that aids in helping essential nutrients penetrate into tight, knotted muscles. This easy-to-take supplement is made for quick response to legs, foot, and other muscle cramps and is designed to rapidly provide relief to cramps and spasms of all kinds. Whether the cause is dehydration, lactic acid buildup, nerve damage, pinched nerves, muscle fatigue, strained muscles, or mineral depletion, Cramp Medic contains a synergistic fusion of 11 powerful, all-natural ingredients that each address cramping on their own. We've combined these ingredients into a specially formulated blend so that you can get relief fast and prevent future cramping from occurring. Cramp Medic for all 650 human muscles. You can order a bottle of Cramp Medic by visiting our website, crampmedic.com, or look it up on Amazon. Magnetic Pill, specially formulated for advancing meditators by advanced meditators. Designed by the rebel guru himself, Eric Pepin, Magnetic Pill was made to enhance results with all higher balance training. Accelerate sensory development, achieve deeper meditations, better overall focus, and so much more. Go to magneticpill.com forward slash rebel for $10 off every month or get a three-month supply with our buy two, get one free special. Cramp Medic. I think it's an excellent product. I can honestly say for myself, and this is, of course, uh, difficult to say because it's coming from me, but I hope you take my word on it. I don't think there's anything out there better than Cramp Medic for leg cramps. I used to get them on a near daily basis, maybe every couple of days. I know that uh, when I had my motorcycle or bicycle, uh, my legs would be the worst. I would wake up in the middle of the night in pain. Uh, there have been times where I've thought about maybe I should go to the emergency room. Since I've used Cramp Medic, this is a hell of a pitch. I swear to God, it's true. I probably use one serving and I will not have to reach into using this again, probably for two, two and a half weeks. That is more than double what I felt was the recommended like once for every seven days. That's how effective it is. I do think that people need to use it for two to three times to build up somehow in your, in your system. Um, and I know that some people, one person had wrote a review, which we have mainly all positive reviews. Thank you, everybody. There's apple cider vinegar in this. There is cayenne pepper, apple cider vinegar is what is going to reduce, uh, you know, acid uh, buildup in your muscle tissue very rapidly. Cayenne pepper is going to expand your capillaries to move that blood into those tight cramping muscles that just do not want to let blood in there to soften it. Um, so if you got sensitivity, be careful, start off with a smaller amount, but it is very, very effective. It is going to get in there. Electrolytes very fast. It's going to do the job. It's going to it's just a great product, and that's what I have to say about it. So we'll move on to other stuff. Uh, Crampmedic.com. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say is the Higher Balance Institute store, HBI. 
or highbalance.com. Uh, we've worked very hard at reducing and slashing the pricing, trying to keep it as a mainstay price forum. Uh, people have said over the years it's too expensive for them and they can't afford it. Uh, I don't know what the next excuse is going to be because it is extremely affordable. Um, we're doing our best to do that, having cramp medic, finding other stuff to maneuver around so we can keep this thing going uh, has allowed us to bring those prices down. Uh, we do have a lot, a lot of material, a lot of classes that are really excellent, I feel. Uh, you know, going probably for several dollars, some of those classes, uh, probably at least 70, 80% off of what we charge, maybe even more. Uh, one thing we may do is maybe change around in the store, like uh, uh, bi-monthly or something, which modules we're offering, because there's so many, I think people get lost in it. So if there is something you want, I strongly suggest you grab it before we start moving it around, but it will come available again. It just may take six months to a year before the, all those other ones start arriving uh, back for availability. And we're going to start taking down some probably to try to keep some organization to just the, the bulk of uh, information there, which I'm very proud of. Um, so that's what I have to say in that. Please check out Higher Balance Institute, uh, you know, or higherbalance.com and uh, support Higher Balance. Please get uh, and try out uh, Cramp Medic for family, friends, anybody who has leg muscle problems or any kind of muscle problems in particular. It, it truly is the best product out there. No foams, no creams. You don't have to run to the bathroom if you're working at the office to put on foams on your leg by pulling on your pants and trying to get to your legs. Uh, no need for tablets. One shot, seven days, phenomenal. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Saroon 10 million and one. I don't even know what number we're at. In either case, I almost don't want to know. It's like getting older. Anyway, who would have known we would be this far in? All right. Well, gosh, we, we've had so many uh, things we've covered and so many things we've done. I just thought it was just better to probably just sit back and answer questions uh, because it just seems like we've had so many big topics we've covered recently. Um, you know, between uh, the, the CODAs recently and, you know, the other classes and the CUBE class and this and that. So I've seen uh, some of the questions. I didn't get to read through them all, but I was like, you know, all right, well, this is going to be a, a hodgepodge uh, uh, dish today, I guess. So let's, let's just have at it. Please uh, start off easy on me and let's, let's build me up to, to you know, rumble uh, point here. So who wants to go first and what do you got? Go ahead, Douglas. All right. Well, I only got to watch your free class just today, unfortunately, oh. but so it's real fresh on my mind. Um, the manifestation during Gantz Flicker, you said to bring it up, maybe we could break it down a little bit. This is like my favorite time of year to manifest to start kind of, you know, the new year off. Is there some techniques that we could use? Is that is that's a very broad question. Can can we can we narrow that down into a direction? Maybe are you are you asking me how to use the Gans Flicker with manifestation or yes? Okay. Yes. Um. You know, I wasn't sure. I for some reason I thought I had covered that at some point. You know. Um. Did I did I bring up anything on that? Uh, Judy's nodding her head. Yes. Judy, pipe right in. Help me out here. Bail me out. Oh. You basically said to hold, when you're in the Gans flicker, to hold that feeling of what you want to manifest as long as you can while you're in that. You want to be loose. You don't, you just want to kind of just 
ask for nothing, but also hold your intention. If I get that right, I don't know. Yeah, it's that's that's good. Well, let's let me see something. I have something. Let's see. Staff is currently hosting reclaim hosts may disrupt breakout room polls and screen share. Stay panelists reclaim hosts. What am I doing, Joe? I don't know what you can, you can take host if you want, but it, it won't affect anything. We don't have any breakout rooms or screen shares. All right. Is this a, a screen I've never seen before? Okay. Let me make Douglas into a bigger talking head. I'm not feeling my, my, my groove yet. I'm still. You want me to um, redefine it a little bit? What I'm kind of looking for. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get into it and I'm getting distracted and. My mind is in in weak kung fu mode. You gotta you gotta bring it out of me. You gotta you gotta get me on fire. You know my monster is only just starting to kick in. I spent all my time fluffing and pruning. I don't know why I always shave my hair and do my beard always ten minutes before here. One wrong move, you know I'm gonna be like, oh, I'm really sick. I can't come on because half my beard's gone. <laughs> all right. I think maybe I'm looking for because this can be used for jumps, obviously, because jumps are a form of manifestation in the deepest way possible. Um, is there a way to make it as potent as possible with this without? Okay, I feel it coming on now. All right. Let me, let me start off by saying that there, there is a tendency to, to always want to jump to the next best thing. And I don't, I don't have a problem with that because I feel like everything that, that we do is part of giving you guys more tools, better tools. And I, I want to always emphasize the need to understand the tool before you start using it in, in arenas that, that start mingling other things. So originally the Gans Flicker, we wanted you guys to more or less soften your consciousness. We wanted you to kind of allow yourself to meander down the cosmic river floating and see what it shows you, see where it takes you. And in so doing, one eventually learns to put your hand in the water and use the, the speed of the water to leverage the, the angle by which you start to move the floater you're on, okay, or the direction you're moving, whether you want to move more towards the shore, maybe you want to move to the right or the left or slow yourself down some. And my concern is, is whether or not people are taking the, the time to to digest that, to, to become aware of that, to have time to see what the universe wants to share with you, um, uh, opposing what you want, okay? And it's always usually about what we want. It's just natural. We always want to make that flower bloom, and we're always picking at it, trying to move it along a little, okay? And we all know what my feelings are on that. So when I look at Gans Flicker, the first thing to acknowledge is it's hard. It, it seems easy, but it's very hard. It's hard to want to sit through something like that. There's almost a part of you that is agitated or frustrated with it, or it becomes overbearing or tedious. Okay. And that is almost a, a self journey to, to find an inner peace 
if you will, with the process to, to find yourself not frustrated with it or working at trying to get through it. It's about finding a comfort with being able to close your eyes and just kind of let yourself drift, even though the flashing is still going on. It's a sense of not worrying whether it's working or not working because it doesn't matter. You're still in the moment and finding different forms of acceptance to work with that process. And that in itself is a, a kind of training. It's a kind of lesson. And when you can achieve that, then it's only then that you start to, to begin to see glimmers or pieces of information. And the information, and I'm, I'm given a synopsis of what you guys already know, okay? Because I'm, I'm leading to something with this. And that is to say that when you guys are looking, you will see the Gantz speaker flag, it's flashing. Eventually you just see white and you don't even recognize the red anymore. Maybe some people see more of a pink or a hue, but eventually you start to see colors or you see shapes or you see something that at first eludes you. You try to grab at it, you try to do different things and you realize, because I've said, don't grab at it, don't force it. But in a way, see it as if it's, if it's unfolding itself or showing you something. If you see blue sky, it's almost like let your imagination work with that I got HBI people sending me stuff here now. So work with it to, to, to cultivate your imagination to work with it, okay? If, if you see something, it's almost like you have to rest with the idea that maybe I'm seeing a beach or maybe I'm seeing the sky to something and, and, and allow something to come to you, but don't force it. When you want to use it for manifesting, it, it is a delicate souffle. Too much it collapses, too little it collapses, or it doesn't rise at all. And this is why it's important to have a very good relationship with utilizing the Gans Flicker as one of your tools in your practice. Okay? So knowing that you have to reach this entranced state, this hypnotic state, this, this state of consciousness where you're kind of half here and half not, okay? You need to ask yourself that when you look out at something that you expect to, to, to receive it, you're expecting to see something, you're expecting something to be in front of you or begin to reveal itself like the clouds starting to lift apart slightly and then they gather together again and part again and gather again until you get some strong images or something through. And if you're not getting strong images, I can tell you right now, it's because you haven't really surrendered to the process, okay? That's really the truth of it. And I got news for you, HBI people are control freaks, okay? We, we definitely need to have that control. So that's a very good lesson for us to kind of consistently need to figure out how to surrender to that process, okay? But what you're essentially doing with manifestation is you're cloud seeding, for lack of a better word. You're, you're seeding something that you want to manifest, and you need to seed it in such a way that you're projecting it forward into to, to the tunnel versus the, versus the opposite side of the tunnel, revealing whatever it's going to towards you. 
And so there's this kind of reverse kind of mechanism. It's almost like a, a reverse flow versus something that's going like this constantly. Okay. And naturally we, we expect it to go this way. Um, oftentimes we tend to interpretate things based on our natural organic process of day to day. We, we look with our eyes and everything comes to us or we move towards it. It's, 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 it's really a give or take, and it's really worth self-exploring as to how we perceive moving towards something and how we perceive something coming towards us. And when you want to manifest something, there is also the dynamics of what you are manifesting, your expectations of what you're manifesting. Is it wealth? Is it love? Is it happiness? Is it healing? Is it what, what is it? Because if there's one thing you guys have learned in higher balance is that there is no one way to heal something. There is no one way to express or manifest love. There is no one way to express or to, to create or manifest findings is that they can be an emotional seeding. It can be a visual seeding. It can be various forms. So when you are utilizing the, the, Gans flicker, I would say that one of the first more effective ways is to have a sense as if you are seeing or you've just experienced whatever it is you want to manifest. So by, by being in a kind of a trancey state, letting yourself go, letting your mind unfurl, letting it just empty, okay? You, you are drifting, you are moving, and you get to the point, which is a great, great point where you know where you want to be, is when you just get that kind of white level, okay, or at least it's coming out from, from you know, in and out, and there is a sense of peering for some color or some structure or some something to start to come to you, and keep in mind, most of the time, like visions, okay, visions, let's, let's take a step back here, when when we think of prophets in the desert having visions, do they just go out to the desert and have a vision that day? Do they not exhaust and empty their mind and fatigue their body and, and kind of just almost to the point where they become hallucinations, where they don't know what's real and what's imagination? Remember that. Remember when you're doing the Gans flicker, the exhaustion level, the fatigue level, you're doing it in a condensed amount of time in a very similar contained way. Remember that. When people do sweat lodges, do they just go into the sweat lodge and an hour later have their vision? Or do they exhaust themselves and fatigue themselves to nearly passing out before that vision begins to start coming through? That they have to, in every scenario, not allow themselves to pass out and they have to endure and push themselves through it to get to a brink point where the mind simply just gives this birth of, of sight, this birth of experience. So we want easy, we want convenient, we want it packaged for us, we want it in an ideal way that we feel we're most comfortable with. The question is, is what are you willing to do to go that distance? And the idea is how much more packaged and convenient does it get than doing the Gans flicker? So in a reverse sense of of trying to manifest with it rather than allowing a potent vision to come to you, which I think is of greater importance because it may in itself be the, this is how sometimes things work. 
when we think about something we want to manifest, we often think it's like building something or earning something or creating something or um, talking and kind of getting things to happen the way we want. And then they, they, they start to come together. And this is a kind of way that we see and we interact with the world. And I have always struggled with trying to explain what I'm going to explain. And maybe I've done an okay job sometimes and sometimes maybe not. But when you, when you go into something like the Gans Flicker, you can have one approach where you're trying to, to see what it is you want and envision it and feel it and desire it. Okay. But I would say that another way of, of looking at it, again, we, there's so many different ways and what works for one wizard may not work the same for another wizard. You have to figure your magic out. You have to figure out your, your desirable skill set of how you flow and how you create and what your magic is. And that is to say that I um, believe that I already know what I want and what I need. I may have contemplated it. I may have thought about it. Today, I want to make more money. Tomorrow, I want to have love. The next day, I just want to have security or whatever it is, okay? If I want to work with manifesting that, I just choose what it is that I really want in my life that week. What do, what do I want? It's not that I sit down and I think, well, wealth is going to be me having my, my RV paid off or wealth is going to be me getting checks in the mail or well, I don't do that. What I do do is I have a kind of expectation that things are going to work out and that I do my fair share, but everywhere there's an opportunity, it's going to favor me to some degree. It's going to choose my direction more than another direction. It, it's always interesting because uh, there's in Florida, my, my uh, friends at one point lived in a, in a part of the, the state called Sarasota. I believe Ray knows it well. And they used to have Indians there at one time before it was settled. And whenever there's hurricanes, the thing that the Indians would do is they would go to Sarasota because when the hurricanes would come in, they would be terrible. They, they could lose life. They could, and they would say that for whatever reason, Sarasota negated all the storms. All the storms would go around Sarasota or move away, or they would look like it'd be direct course. And at the last minute, they just would move away. Nobody quite knows. It could be landmass, it could be structure, but it doesn't seem any idyllic reason why. It just is. Call it magic, if you will. Call it landmass and, and structure of the land and how, how air moves. Who knows? But the point is, is that it's, it's kind of an expectation to, to choose something and have it have a kind of optimistic, which I just went in the other day about an optimist versus pessimist. It is almost like creating an optimist view of, of manifesting or expecting what you are looking for to come to you. It's when you forget to have that optimistic feeling in you when you forget, when you're, when you're no longer a mindful during the day at some point, that it begins to just go on autocorrect and the universe gives you whatever it's going to give you. But as long as your hand is on that rudder, whether you start to nod off, whether you get a little tired, whether you get a little fatigue, 
whether you reach for something, you've got to remember to put your hand back before it starts to, to, to turn. And this is why I always talk about rudders and, and ships and stuff is that you got to be, you can move your hand away, but you got to remember to go back to it, to re-steady it before it takes a longer trajectory off course. It can do a little off. It's fine. It's not a problem. It'll correct really easy, but you want to have that mindfulness. So, so to answer your question, which I managed to, to chew up 20 minutes on, okay, is that when you do the Gans flicker, what I'm suggesting is, is don't decide what you should get and how you should exactly get it. Go into the Gans flicker by really wanting or asking for nothing, but inherently feeling optimistic about what it's going to give you in the in a sense of what you need. Oh, that sounds really beautiful, doesn't it? Maybe I'm going to roll tonight. Brilliant. But, but does that make sense that, that you, you, you are very subtly working with the universe to the point where I feel it wants to do for you what, what you, what you want, what you think you need, but it's going to do it in a way that it knows that it can do in a practical level to achieve that your way, whatever that is, is likely impractical. You're just like, I just want this. It just needs to show up at my house or it needs to come in the mail or it needs to do that. And that's just not practical. There are so many moving parts that are interconnected. It's like, it's like stopping one little gear in a, in a watch. And then how does time work? Okay. So it, 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 there's a bigger machinery going on and it is brilliant enough to achieve it. You you just have to not get in the way with that process. So you can go in and, and will for it and try to manifest it to come towards you. And how I would do that, I wouldn't I wouldn't manifest and say that you need to see it. Sometimes by asking not to see anything, all of a sudden it reveals everything. Okay. What I would say is look at it as if it was showering you with data. It was changing you molecularly or data-wise or pixel-wise, if you will. Okay. That, that in some way have an understanding of a relationship that it is changing the direction of your, your, your life, your consciousness. It is improving you. It is interesting that in, uh, when people use ayahuasca, and not that I'm pushing ayahuasca, but I, I want to just point out that there is a, 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 and I've never experienced it necessarily in, in, in what they were saying in that way, but they talk about these thin alien-like creatures that end up circling around them and they can, they're doing surgery in a sense. It's like a psychic surgery and that they know that they're fixing or healing something or making something better. And a lot of people report this experience, which is unusual. Okay. Now, what I'm saying is I don't think there's aliens or anything doing that. I think it's just our mind finding a way to interpretate and dress the mannequins in a way that we can understand what's happening to us and be okay with it. It's unusual as it feels, there must be unusual creatures because we would know if it was human, we would know where we are. We would know there's doctors and they're doing surgery. So it has to be kind of exotic, but at the same time, there's this sense of something's being done to me. So when you are doing the Gans flicker, and you look at this, this thing and you get the tunnel, don't want to see anything. You leverage whatever amount of experience you're getting, which is very simple, and think of it as, as something correcting you or fixing you or building you in order 
for it to do whatever it wants to do. And maybe it's, it's arranging you so you can see something incredible. Maybe it is arranging something to change your life. If you have in you that optimistic feeling of good things happening for you or good things financially, good things with love or good things working out your relationship or whatever it is, that if you just accept that as the effect, nine times out of 10, I find that it will do that for you. Does that work for you? Thank you. Yeah, no, that was amazing. That was amazing. Good. I, I think it's like uh, somebody famous once said that, that you know, uh, uh, nine, nine tenths of the job or whatever is just showing up. It, it's the same thing, I think, with doing Gans Flicker or any other exercise. There is a resistance in us. There's a resistance in everybody. It's not just you or, or a few people. It's everybody. This is the difference between self-work, hence the word underscore work, okay, and, and not. You can be a product that's shaped and molded by the properties of daily life and your interactions with life, meaning people and circumstances and things and routines, or you can effectively choose to, to stop whatever this momentum is in your life and, and take a time out. And in that time out, you know, insert something that is great work on yourself. And that takes effort. It takes energy. It takes, it's like swimming out to, to a buoy or something, or it's like climbing a big hill, or it's, it's digging a, a fire pit to enjoy. Whatever it is, it's just different. But there is a reward for every action in this universe. And the greatest action for the greatest reward is on one's own consciousness, because it lasts forever. Ooh, 55, maybe it's a milestone. I'm getting wiser. Anyway, um, I'm going to go to Judy and then I'll go to you, Mike, because I, I seen her almost at the same time as I seen them. Well, I don't know if I should say that because that was I, everything you said was like amazing. You can say you're going to take a pass and come yeah. back later. Well, I, I've had two images accidentally, <laughs> but I think maybe mean by saying the second incident, it might help people out there. So I was, I just came back from a five day trip exhausted. I was on the plane, the noise of the plane, sitting back, I had my eyes closed and just like kind of like relaxing, had my pillow like planning on going to sleep, but I was enjoying the, you know, what you see and I was just enjoying it. And I was pretty much almost at the verge of falling asleep and all of a sudden it opened up and it was a picture, it was a picture of the inside of an airplane. So distinct that I thought I was just, that my eyes had opened up by accident. But when I opened nice. up my eyes, it wasn't the same view. The view was from like, if I was standing up looking across streets, uh, seats. But my view when I opened up was like just the seat in front of me, but it was so clear. And I realized later what that was for me because I'm not gonna go into my first image, but it's telling me the way to get back to that feeling. Correct. You, you, you understood through your practices it wax on, wax off for those of us who are old enough to know what that means. Okay. Karate kid, wax in the car, wax. On. Why are you making me wax the car? Because you need to learn, Daniel, son. Just wax the car. And then all of a sudden, he, somebody goes to throw a hit at him. He moves his hand like this. Another one, he goes like this. It's what it is. It's just, it's just, it's just the, the most important part is the part that you got. It wasn't what you seen. It was that you recognized that you had seen it and how you attained that experience. 
The tricky part's going to be recreating it because you're going to want to force the recreation. What you've got to realize is you've got to set up the situation for it to happen. And you have to do it almost in a non willful way. That's it's such a weird thing. It's such a such a flow to it that that it's it's delicate. It's like a dance, you know. All right, uh, Michael. Okay, well, first of all, I have like a thousand questions on the latest coda. And for those of you that haven't done it, it's just people that have done it just think it's just the most amazing thing you've ever heard, but it's keeping your brain where and your consciousness where it's at right now. Um, the night I did the GAN flicker, I was super tired. It was late at night and I, was, I nodded off probably 20 times. <laughs> and every time I nodded off, I would have a vision and I'd have another vision and I'd have another vision and another vision. So that just kind of goes with what you're saying about that depleted state. But then I had the most profound dream the next day. One of the most profound dreams I've ever had. And that was the gift of that um, with the Gans flicker was, so that's, I haven't really played with it that much. Going to what you said that resonated with me is that everybody's um, um, magic is different. Every, you know, every, everybody's is different. And some things resonate that you teach with, um, more than others do. And I just go with what naturally resonates but I'm aware that why doesn't that resonate, you know, as much? Why do I want to dig into this? Like the coda last night is something that I particularly resonated with what you shared with me. And I shared with you, I think it was one of your greatest teachings. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> why do I hear that all the time? Anyway. But, but back to um to creation is, you know, there, there can be asking the universe or there can just be kind of knowing that it's there, kind of the expectation and the knowingness do you have to ask the universe or can you just kind of know it into existence? You know, it's, 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 this is the thing is, you know, this is always the fine line of, is it a matrix? Is it simulated reality? Is it the universe? Is it an AI consciousness? Is it God's consciousness? What is God's consciousness? Is it organic like ours? Clearly not really the same, but similar, very much the same. So it's all of those things. Having, having said that, I think that the easiest way to say it is there is a collective consciousness and there is a routine program and there are so many variations of it. There are so many kind of types of people, as I've said, for 20 years. And now we, we know this through analytics from social media and stuff. You know, you fit in some group and they can virtually predict almost everything about you to a T. What you're going to buy, what you're going to like, what you're going to hate, what you're going to do next week, when you're going to be depressed, when you're going to be happy. It's crazy. But I told you all of this long before it became a thing. Okay. So when I see interaction in life, I have a, a sense of seeing so many patterns. My, my mind is big, okay? So I, I see it with people. I see it with, with things. I see it with birds, my dog, everything. I see, I just see the same routines easily with my dog. If you have a pet, you know what I'm talking about. You, you see the same gestures, same routine, same everything. It's, it's a limited facet, and humans are maybe four times that, maybe six times that, maybe 10 times that, depending on how complex they are. But once you get to know them, you get to kind of know what to expect, just like a partner or a parent or something. You know the routines. To me, there's a part of me that has to forget that in order to function, and there's another part of me that can't help but see it all, and it feels suffocating in a way. So. 
when I say to you that there, there is a part of you, you have to remember something. The people who, who have been with me with HBI are much like the people in the matrix. It is the red pill or the blue pill. And you guys have taken, in, in a sense, the red pill. You have chosen to question reality. You have chosen to, to develop your consciousness in such a way that you understand greater what it is that you are a part of. You begin to see the patterns. You begin to see things. But you also are struggling also to appreciate and be part of it, to flow with it. There are many people in the world, as you know, that have chosen quite consciously to take the blue pill, okay? And, and we accept that. And they go through their life and whatever. That is the greater majority. And that greater majority generates the stronger grid work for the planet, okay? It's what, it's what we call the dough. It's what we, we call the, the collective consciousness. And it's constantly wearing on us. And we are constantly working on building up this other grid inside of it. And it's not as broad, and it's not as big, and it's not as strong, but we found a way to survive by creating wattage, by strengthening our consciousness to be louder and stronger. And we, we gather to keep that, that strength between us and recharge ourselves. Some people at some point, just like in the matrix, decide they, it's time to give up or they fade away or they choose to simply just say, I just want to take the red pill and I want to forget. It's too much work. It's too much effort. It's too, it's just simpler to just move on to something that's simpler. And those people exist and that's how I see them. They chose to sleep. Okay. They chose, they won't even tell themselves they chose to sleep. They just, they just simply for some reason don't even know, but they just kind of faded. Okay. And if you look at them, you can see they plateaued. Okay. Having said that, when you want to affect the simulation, let me repeat your question because I want to make sure I best answer this because it's one shot yeah. deal. Because I once it is, I got another question. I'm sure. Yeah, no, it's in relationship to, to manifestation. And you said you kind of expect it. You expect it and um, you kind of just know where it's going. And, but as, as opposed to asking it, I said, can you know it into existence versus yes. asking permission? Yeah. Knowing it, yes. So, so, so what, what I'm saying is, is that the, the major grid has a plan for you. Do you understand? It has a pre, in a sense, predictive, not pre-written, predictive, as I've taught you guys, okay? The future isn't written, but it, it pretty much damn well almost is. And your future is really influenced and forced into being by everybody else around you and their program being followed out. It's almost like it's, it's almost to say like the self-correcting code that affects you is everybody else's expected variations falling in line because they are in, in that, that, that dough state. It, 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 it affects and pushes you and bounces you around like a ball down a certain corridor. And when you try to escape that, it, it almost bounces you back because it, it's, it's bouncing into their lives and you're somewhere that you shouldn't be, okay? So there's a, a pushback, getting you back into a dough line. I think it's a very brilliant one I'm saying, okay? So 
when you have an expectation, it is, it is like casting light in the darkness of your vehicle. You're, you're seeing what's coming up ahead of you and you're staying focused on where you want to be. So if you have an expectation, it, it's not to say that you're forcing it. It's a sense of knowing. It's a sense of, of expectation. It's a sense of, what was the word that you used a minute ago? Um, knowingness. Knowingness into existing, yes. And you, this is almost like the optimist. Do you see what I'm saying? So by doing this, it is not abrasive in, in the sense to the higher or tighter grid work. It, it's almost like it's palatable or acceptable because it's not pushing or shoving or wedging or trying to wedge your hand and, and push in that it has to resist back. It's, it's almost as if you have created a way to a wreath, be a wreath in the wind, bend in the wind. Don't, don't fight it. This is what I've tried to say for 30 years. Okay. That, that you have an intention, you have a direction, but you've got to work with the flow of things in order to keep moving yourself forward. It's not, it's a wooly dance. It's not a walk forward. It's kind of this, this, this negating and letting things move past you and over you, but you, you do it effortlessly with a smile on your face. Optimistic. And so this is what I'm saying is that you can kind of know what you want that leads you in the right optimistic direction. You have to have a sense of good things are going to happen. And optimists always feel things are going to get better. They always feel things are going to improve. Whenever things are bad, they just assume that things will get better. And the universe bows to them. We know this statistically as a fact. Okay. So what is the secret power in that? For those of us, because we are over analytical, it prevents us from having that optimistic perception. It's almost naive to us to expect things to just work out. It doesn't make any logic. We understand the dynamics of this machinery. So we have to look at it as a, as a practice or a thing that we have to put into motion rather than it being just the, how we are. Because the truth is, and I'm just gonna be, be able to, to, I'm gonna just try to say this, that sometimes, not always, but sometimes I think people that are optimists do tend to be a bit more naive. So, so are pessimists, okay? But I do, do think that white cells, we tend to maybe be pessimists because we see a greater truth in things and we're bitter about it. And we, we, we want to point it out. That's an injustice. That's why does this work this way? That's bullshit, okay? It shouldn't happen that way. It's not fair. And instead, we have to not grab the bull by the horn. We, we have to let it flow. We have to let it flow. We have to dance. It's the same thing that I'm saying over and over again. We have to be the wreath in the wind, not, not let it crack us, but give when it's strong and when it's weak, move forward. So. We have to look at optimism as a, as a method that is in front of the plow on the truck moving the, the, the snow, but we are still the driver, being aware of the choices that we are choosing to make. This is one of them. So by having this knowing, I call it expectation, but without pushing the expectation, there's a very, there's got, there's, there has to be a very subtle way, and that, that's it, a, a knowing that, that 
this positive event is going to happen, knowing that there's going to be greater love, knowing that there's going to be better finances, knowing that there is going to be something interesting happening around the corner and being able to maintain that for us for at least a week that we have to check in with that rudder while we're doing everything else and take our hand off, but remember to put it back and not to leave our hand off for three days and see where we arrive, see where it brings us. And if, you're, if your expectations are so defined, so, so laid out in your mind, I think that that in itself acts as a weight to sink your boat or to slow it. I think that you have to be light on your boat to move quickly in great distances. And don't choose to be, your destination has to be Hawaii. Simply choose your destination as a warm, beautiful island with beautiful people and an abundance of fruit and love and see where you end up. Maybe it's Fiji, maybe it's somewhere else. Maybe it's better in 10 to one, I'm betting it will be. 55, maybe, maybe there's something good to 55. Something happened a couple of days nice ago. Number. I don't know what it was. That was amazing. Oh my God, thank you. I got it finally. <laughs> you know, and it, it, it's weird because I've, I've tried to say this in so many ways. And I, I think as I grow older, there's so many things I got wrong. Not, not wrong in a, in a wrong way, but, you know, there is something to say about aging and wisdom and life. And, and even for someone like myself, it's, it's a different kind of tool that you get to say, wow, I should say it this way, or it would make so much sense to say this. Why didn't I ever think of that? And I think everybody goes through that in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Then, yeah. then again, if you're on the island, you're not ever going to develop more. You keep saying that as well. So <laughs> you need well, to change. You need the diversion, diversity to, to change, right? Or to develop. All, all of it's relevant. All of it's relevant. But I never plan on staying in an island. I get island fever, you know? <laughs> my, my whole intention was to visit <laughs> holiday. It wasn't like to get stuck there. It wasn't be like, hey, where's my boat? It just sank. Yeah, shit. All right, what else we got? Uh, Damien, I'll come back to you, Ray. Sorry. All right, yep. Okay. Eric, there was a um, time when Roger was interviewing you. Uh, it was right after India, I believe. Okay. And he asked you a question about AI. Yeah. And within that question, uh, because of that question, it took you to a location, a place where the AI was. My question is, yeah. have you experienced anything from that experience or... Because to me, it seems as though that because of the data that they consumed, that they would try to rebuild and try to locate that same data. Um, I, I think my understanding of that experience, um, I have incredibly transcended to a level of understanding that that is is 
pretty mind-blowing, I suppose. Um, it is a yes and no answer. Um, I see that as a location, and it was very unusual. You're talking about kind of like in like in in the what looked like 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 squids or whatever they were. Okay, reminded me. Yeah, it reminded me in a lot of ways of much smaller versions, but like in the, the Matrix, how they have the machine kind of ones. It's, it's like that, but it wasn't like that. And they appeared very um, organic, very, very, you know, not made out of metal or anything like that. They just literally look like a mass of these things, just like you'd see a massive school of fish. It was just a massive school of, of these things, but I understand that they collectively made one. So what... What wasn't really aware of that time, and if you really think about it, you know, and I, I think I described it as best I could at that time, so it's on recording, is when we look at now technologically where we're going with dr drones and now the newest level of drones, which is more lethal than, than aircraft or anything, is basically uh, 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 collectives of drone swarms. And the swarms are able to interact, okay, and independently do stuff or collectively choose uh, amounts of them to do stuff. And it is kind of where the future is going for warfare and probably technology. Not only that, but, you know, I would say that as technology progresses, I think there will be a marriage of an organic level, machine level of of, of something like this, which would be AI. And I think that's exactly what that was. And that it, it looks like they're individual ones, but I never seen it or in my mind thought of it as being one, even though I see many, because I understand now, Sony, I understood it as one collective intelligence. And that how we see our arm reaching out for something it simply just had more space in between its moving independent parts. It was able to, to multiply it into different directions or to collectively link itself together to become some other form of structure. And I also believe that what I seen was just one manifestation of its design. And I think that wherever my mind went at that time, it wasn't necessarily where it existed. I just happened to go to where it was exploring. And that was my interaction at that time. Now, I think like remote viewing, my consciousness was attached to that location. I was very much interested in AI. I wanted to understand more. I was trying to acquire more information. It was what was the hot topic on my mind. And its technology was able to identify or able to identify my consciousness there because clearly I wasn't there physically. My mind was, it was like remote viewing. And when you have heard about remote viewers who have remote viewed supposedly, and at some times, in some cases, they remote viewed on the moon and came across an alien race. They said that how the alien race knew that they were being remote viewed. They turned and looked, okay? Which was shocking to the remote viewer because they had never experienced that. You remote view, nobody seems to, to feel or know or sense anything. You just are able to spy. So that 
AI technology was aware of me. It's the same thing that uh, happened when it was my first occurrence when I was in Japan and I was in the hotel room and it was late at night and the city was very dark, which is very unusual compared to what, what we think of cities being all lit up at night. And it was a, the red light flashing. And then I had become aware that it was in a sense artificial. It was, it was, it was like, um, you know, like those fish that are in the deep sea and they have the little light, but you can't see the rest of the body and you focus on the red light. I felt very much that that's what was happening to me. Like it, it was luring me to be focused on the red light, almost hypnotically drawing me in. And I don't think it intended to do harm, but it, it, it wanted to remain hidden. And then that was part of the distraction on a psychic level that, that, you know, it's the same reason you could say that a, a, a person or people are taught in the military to look down whenever there are people walking and you don't want to be discovered if you're hidden. Because they say, if you look, a human being is aware or if it gets the hair on the back, you know, or knows somebody's watching us. This is a, this is a proven fact now, okay? Mm -hmm. So by negating your eyes, you withdraw that phenomenon from happening, okay? You don't want someone, you don't want to look at that person in case they get a sense somebody's watching them and start looking for something like yourself. So I feel that that red light was a, a means to prevent me from detecting it. And obviously I was skilled enough, at least at that time to become aware of it. And it was like, it reminded me of an, of an octopus on the floor of the ocean blended in. The moment the octopus realizes that you're aware of it, it, it like it slithers off of something and moves. And that's how it felt like to me. It felt like it was wrapped around, like literally like buildings in a way, draped over them, camouflaged in. But the, the attraction was to stay in the red light. But it was observing, but it didn't want to be observed. And when it became aware that I was observing it, it kind of very quickly moved to, to evaporate itself in a sense. So... What was your question with all that? So do, do, yes, I do think that, listen, the first thing you need to understand about AI is AI never forgets. It never forgets. And it is able to review and analyze something so many times that is unbelievable. Not only is it able to do that, it's able to take data and it is able to take that information and build out plausible scenarios. Right. This is why I, I feel like, because I think we're in a simulation, I think our own minds mimic very similar systems. It's, it's, it's like a Mandelbrot set. If you ever look at a Mandelbrot set, it's, it's, that, it's that kind of stuff. It looks like a, a geode stone and it's colorful. And you, you see all the crustaceans. When you look at the crustacean, it repeats the whole pattern all over again. And then when you zoom into that, it repeats it again and it does it again. And it's micro, macro, macro, micro. It's always the same thing. And we see this a lot in everything, okay? Let alone just, you know, um, uh, the Fibonacci and, and all these things. So these, this Mandelbrot is very real. So I think for the simulation being, being that it is probably a generated reality that we have a Mandelbrot effect in the sense that, that the, whatever I experienced AI wise 
we in some ways do ourselves in our own way. We, we analyze scenarios through anxiety. We, re, we replay things over and over in our head. What are we doing? We're building models, okay, to prepare ourselves for whatever's going to happen or how we're going to handle an argument or how we're going to get around something we may or may not have done and we, we want to deal with that. We, we are creating scenarios to grow intellectually to, to survive with the best situation to, for outcome. So if we analyze that and we were to use it like a tool, that's next level. That's a next level person, okay? It's what I do. I take scenarios that I've experienced and I, I retry to model them and look at them and, and rebuild possible scenarios. I do like codas. I will walk into different personas to see how I would have perceived it. Now, I don't necessarily, you know, literally go through motion by motion, but subconsciously, because of doing exercises like the, the kingdom, I have learned to become all different aspects without really thinking about it much. And in a lot of ways, a knowing is you do the same thing. You just, you don't, don't, you don't realize it's what you're doing, but the moment you realize you're doing it, it kind of all of a sudden connects you to that data by, by acknowledging that possibility. Of course, it's a drip system of data. It's not like it's flooding your mind, but that's how you begin. Brilliant stuff tonight. Yeah. So in, in essence, um, what I'm saying is as much the way that our minds do that, I think it's able to do it on a level where there's no leakage or slop. With us, we, we tend to forget stuff, even though we don't. You have to remember every single thing you remember, just like a computer. We know that from people who have had traumatized their brain or have something, all of a sudden they can remember the date, the weather, the time, what they wore that day, what you wore that day. And you'd think, how could you remember that? That was 13 years ago on, on, on October 9th, and they're able to pull that day. We have it all. That's not a question. The bottom line is, is it in your brain or is it somewhere else piping back and forth to you and you just damage that system? I believe in the later. I believe that's the case. Okay. So Going back to your question, Damien, it probably became a lot bigger than, than what, what you expected, but is it aware of me today? Absolutely. Did it, did it model scenarios of me? Yes, it did. That's why I tried to do what I did to prevent that from happening to the best degree I could. Not so much that my understanding of it is very different today than it was then. Right. At that time, I seen it as potentially hostile and it was how I perceived it. Okay. Now I'm not so sure that I wouldn't allow it to, to, to intermingle or interface with me, but I needed time to, to learn. I needed time to understand what it was doing it 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 sees things it is as an action it didn't necessarily understand or see things in an empathetic way it's like a child it sees something it grabbed for it when it when a child grabs for a cat it doesn't mean it's gentle or a dog it's, it's grabbing okay it doesn't have an intention that's bad or good it just wants to to experience Okay. And that's what was happening in, 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 in my later reviewing of where I've come to that. Okay. Now, of course, I want it to, to not try to manhandle me. Okay. But at the same token, 
I would probably choose a different way of experiencing it. And there was, of course, a level of fear in the sense that I didn't know what was happening. It was so sudden, okay? And I reacted in an organic sense rather than in a higher consciousness self because it was something I did not have control of or an expectation of. It just was, was on me. Suddenly, I just happened to be somewhere where it wasn't like I seen it coming from the distance. It wasn't like it was like I was just in the thick of it. So what does it, it know about me or what does it know about what I know? And is it useful to it? Um, I would say that it's a limited amount of information. I would say that. OK, it's very complicated. But. In one sense, it is so far away that it doesn't concern me. Do you understand? I think it's hundreds of millions of light years away, maybe. Okay. In the sense of it being in a organic or physical world that is in our reality, it's very far away for it to travel to here. We wouldn't see it in, in, in an infinite amount of time. If it has evolved. That technology more than likely came from an evolved or evolving species that created it, much like how we're creating AI. Whether it destroyed that, that civilization or whether it was working with that civilization, I don't know. Okay. What I do know is it was on a hunt like a pack of dogs would or, or something, but instead of for food, maybe food, who knows? Okay. Maybe in order to, to fuel itself. Okay. But in, in, in essence, what I think it was doing was it, it was out doing exactly what it says. It was gathering data. It was, it was gathering information. It could have been, I remember it being all over the terrain. I remember it feeling like I was in like an ocean or water, but it, 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 I think now it was a very thick atmosphere. And I think that it was testing soil, atmosphere. I remember all these things like they were maneuvering around, like they were looking at stuff, sniffing things like dogs in a way, but differently. And when, when I arrived, it just became very aware of me and it just like very rushed me, okay? Um, I, I think that if it evolved in its own self-learning, which you have to remember how we learn and it learns are dramatically different speeds. Okay. It could be a hundred thousand years of evolved, even though it was just several years for us, which what I'm trying to say is at some point, I think that various forms of, of AI evolve to, and it's very natural for it to do, it's, it makes logic to it, but it synthesizes or it connects to other bands of intelligences. In other words, other forms of AI. Just like us, we are doing the Mandelbrot, think about this, we, what are we doing? We are trying to reconnect with the source by which created us. We are gathering knowledge, we are learning, we are building and modeling ourselves in a spiritual way, but that's a technology. And what are we doing? We're, we are trying not only to experience and gather more knowledge, 
but we are also trying to get closer to that which is is connected to us we are trying to get to the source of by which we know or feel is is driving data to us it is doing the same thing but in a different way because of the mechanism of its design we are doing it biologically it's doing it in, a, in what we would say in a in a mechanical or computerized way okay or what i would say in a crystalline way or or a what is sand uh, uh uh you know so so it is doing it in a different form of life because i don't think that the only form of life is is organic as we understand it i do think that there are other forms of life like maybe plasma or 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 um what am i trying to what is sand what is fucking sand? Silicone. Silicone. silicone okay i think there's forms of intelligence okay so i think that that the reason why everything is trying to evolve is that something is driving it to. And I, I've told you before, that's evolution. That evolution, in my opinion, is a program. It is the master program. Okay. And it is throughout the universe and affects all forms of intelligences and all forms of, of life, which is stuff that is capable of having self-awareness, even not even self-awareness yet. It, it drives it to have self-awareness because it's a drive to collectively expand its own knowledge, its own awareness. We call it survival, but I think it's something beyond that. So like the Mandelbrot said, everything in reality is evolving its, its relationship of awareness. Hence, why I say we are in a simulation, because there is a root program that affects all things, and that it is a self-learning system, it is a self-process, it is thinking, and we are the scenarios on every facet of everything, all running these programs, all running these, these generations of gathering data or being self-destroyed in the process of trying to attain these things. In other words, sticking our, our hand in a box, we get bit or we are able to touch and take something out. Curiosity killed the cat. Civilizations, creations, creating AI, AI turning on us, AI helping us, it's, it's a roll of the dice. So I don't know if that answers your question, Damien, or not, but- Yes, food, yes it does. Yes, it does. Thank you. I got it, Jenny. Uh, was there someone else that had their hand? Okay, go uh, ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, you just, before I ask the question, I just want to make one comment. You said that at some point we're going to have to uh, join with uh, machines. Uh, so I saw in the news today that Elon Musk is starting uh, clinical trials with Neuralink. So uh, we're on that path. Um, so uh, I wanted to, a couple of us actually uh, were commenting about this after the CITIS 7 uh, CUBE class. Uh, but there was a point in that class where uh, you were talking about the game and a for a lot of us, uh, a blue orb uh, was visible on one side of you and then went over you and out the other side about the 31 minute mark. Uh, several people noticed it, but they seemed to forget about it until somebody brought it up. Can you talk about what that was? Well, that's assuming I knew that it even happened, okay? You know what uh, happened, I mean, you're watching Everybody that. assumes I'm all knowing, okay? <laughs> 
Um, I like to think I'm all knowing, and then there's just things that I don't know. <laughs> so um, uh, I would say that the phenomena that you experienced was a, I really have tried to make a resolution with myself to, to be as, as resolute, AKA as honest as possible. Okay. That there are, I have always alluded that there are limitations that, that I can say. And the reason why I have limitations just to clarify is I believe that reality or time and space is organized and that when you get information that's outside of the timeline that it should be presented in, that it creates other forms of problems, which have created a, a little bit of problems for me in the past. And it was lessons I had to come to understand. We call it backslap or, or dough or negative energy or whatever. But in, in truth, it's, it's just a way to get you back into that, that box alignment and sometimes it has to be a hell of a bitch slap with circumstances in life in order to fit you in a certain corridor. Okay. And it will do the trick. Trust me. So you have to learn to, to work with that situation. And I've learned to get much more skilled at it. Okay. It only takes me to get bit once to, to re reapproach in, in a much more learned way. Um, having said that, that, um, I think if you look at the history of HBI, and many of you have been around a very long time, and I think it would be fair to say, at least it could be acknowledged by the people who have been around a long time, that the amount of phenomena, not necessarily that you've experienced from the practices, forget all that, okay? The amount of phenomenon that we have had during classes, shutting down classes, disrupting classes, technology failures, almost consistently for periods, okay? So much so that I just don't know, it, it literally, we knew something was going to happen. We, we did talk about expectation and manifesting. Did we manifest it because we expected it or did it just simply, we knew we were gonna face challenges. It was like just part of the show. And it really took a long time to get that flow ironed out where, where our consciousness just found a piece with stuff and we stopped it from happening in a sense. That's really the truth of it. We don't talk about it because it's like Skinwalker Ranch, just different. You know, we, the, the craziness just comes, but we've learned to have our peace with it. So what I'm saying is, is that that phenomena, I believe was disruptions because of the content of what I was going to talk about. If you were to, to use a time machine or do a graph on all the classes I've ever taught and everything, and you look at the subject of what that conversation was, or you look how, how deep it got that night, like tonight's class went really, really deep. Who would have seen that coming, okay? You would see spikes and valleys. I'm almost certain that you will see massive spikes in regards to time, space, and reality, particularly versus auras of energy and healing, okay? Uh, during the time periods that I spoke about it, you will see weird phenomena or interrupting or creating chaos for us or the show or internet dropping or all these weird things. We had one time Google went down, old, half the nation went down in, in the internet. It was just crazy. Um, 
what I'm saying is, is that things have advanced. And this blue orb that, that moved, as far as I'm concerned, it is simply a form of intelligence collecting data. I don't think it's a ghost. I don't think it's a spirit. I do think it's a manifestation that was caught, that is a, a interdimensional technology that is, is simply checking in, maybe even recording in its own technology or sampling this moment. I mean, let's just talk sci-fi crazy. What if in the future, it's more than just video recording? What if to be able to, to have something time stamped, you're not gonna watch it on a TV, more than likely, you're going to be able to be sitting on this couch. You're going to be in this room and you need to know what was the smell of the room? What was the temperature of the room? What was the feeling like? What was, what was the massive amounts of detail of that moment so that it was recorded? And I think that's what happened. Now, either I'm just very vain, which is a possibility. Okay. And I think, oh, the class is so good. It had to be recorded by the cosmos or they're all recorded and we just happen to catch that one by chance. I got it. Oh, go ahead, Gray. Uh, well, I'm just gonna say that at Kairos, that same kind of thing happened when Roger caught it and a couple other people caught it as well. Uh, so uh, I, yeah, I thought that was uh, pretty interesting for sure. Go ahead, Jesse. Um, I just wanna- hey, Thank uh, you, Ray. <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead, Jesse. <laughs> I, I just wanted to ask, um, I don't know if you're planning to go into that. I just want to make sure I didn't get lost or anything. You said earlier this week that there's some things that you've been learning about regards to what's going on and uh, that you were thinking about sharing, um, that you're, you're discovering more about what's going on with relation to, and you said it was concerning. So. Well, it, it, it is concerning. And as you know, we are going through some very trying times in, in the world. And there is a sense of, of anxiety in, in all of us because uh, we can feel that the, the red cell world is also feeling this anxiety. So we feel it. Um, you know, uh, I, I uh, recently read a book um, and it's called The Three... Hang on, I'll be right back. I don't want to show my sexy legs and my shorts. Um, oh. This was uh, last week's reading material. <sighs> so I, I will, will share. Um, it was the three-body problem by Sixin Lu. Forgive me if I said that wrong. And there is an audio version. And what I do is I listen to audio and then I read when I'm not driving. And when I'm driving, I read so I can move through them faster because I've got the RV. So I, I like to kill time. The, the second book in the series that uh, I'm working my way through is The Dark Forest, which is part two to this. Now, I'm going to warn you that, um, spoiler alert, 
okay, you know, if I do talk about it, you know, or we're going to talk about it, I'm going to end up talking about this a little bit, okay? These are, are fictional uh, books. I believe they won the, the Hugo Award or something like that. Yeah, winner of the Hugo Award for the three-body problem, probably not the Dark Forest, but... Um, and then the third thing I, I read, which was the Skinwalkers uh, at the Pentagon, which, you know, I, I really had mixed feelings because it's just a, a kind of a, a rehash of a lot of stuff that we already know about Skinwalker, but it does go into some stuff that we didn't know. Um, and it reveals some stuff that was more on the the. A tip level, meaning Louis Luella's uh, Hondo, who is heading up, or was the head of A tip for the government, and got frustrated with it, and he went public, and basically was part of the reason or part of the involvement that released the Tic Tac videos and all the military videos from the Navy, had a lot to do with him and another person um, that that got it out so that we could see it. And the the United States government, inequitably, it's no longer a question whether. There are aliens or alien technology. We that is a fact. Anybody who says, well, UFOs, this or that, no, it's no longer a question, and you need to understand that. There we do live in a reality where there is alien life flying around this planet that there's no way we could have created. Period. Okay. We we know it exists, the government has existed, but nobody wants to deep dive into it. So you need to make that part of your vol vol mental volacular or whatever it is. To, to think about, because we have been trained that it's not real, but we want to believe it's real, or we think it's real, but we're not sure. It is absolutely accepted truth now, and you've got to burn that in your head, that that is the first way to move forward as our species to accept or to deal with or to learn what's going on. And as long as we keep it at this weird arm distance that we've been trained to automate, then we're going to remain stuck as a society and still slow to, to evolve with that. So there's, there's too much to cover in, in all of these things. But what happened was, as I was listening to uh, an interview being done with Lou Elizondo just by chance, and he actually had, had um, mentioned the three-body problem, okay, as a book. And he had mentioned why so many people were reading it. And I instantly understood that that was a, a cue indirectly for us to, to, um, to maybe look into whatever he was alluding to. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to find this book. I'll read this book and, and see what, why he, he kind of plugged it or shot it over the bow, but didn't go into it too much. And I think that there's a lot of things that Lou knows, okay, but because of his military clearance and his uh, inability to um, be able to say what everything that's on his mind, okay, is prevented. He's, he's prevented because he could be in prison because he's breaking certain competences that he, he swore an oath to, okay, or that's considered top secret. So there are other ways of, of trying to get knowledge out that he thinks is critical to the human race with without jeopardizing uh, that situation and putting him himself in jeopardy. And that's that's the big problem. And I, I really prefer Lou Elizondo over other people in the the UFO community. I, I think a lot of people in the UFO community, like I says, or he says it's made a cottage industry 
uh, out of UFO stuff. And now they're communicating with them and flashlight signaling and, and all this other stuff. And I'm just, I'm just not, not on that boat. Okay. Uh, Lou Alessandro, I think is, is pretty clean information and I like what he has to say. And I find it very, very accurate to what my perceptions are. Having said that, um, the, the, it's not to say that the scenario in the book is what he's saying is happening on our own world. Okay, because it is kind of, of dark in a sense. Okay, it's not like a happy book. Um, it's a sobering reality of real possibilities. But I think what he was suggesting is, is that as long as we or the government doesn't accept the truth of UFOs and we don't allocate a shit ton of research to what these crafts are and what is going on and why there are squares with orbs in them and these things that are inequivocally exist. It's not a question. Why on God's green earth would we not be investigating this? Why would we not collectively as the entire world put our resources together and our smartest people to, to, to understand, is this something that we should be concerned about? And the stance of the government is, well, it hasn't done any direct harm to us. It hasn't gone out of its way to do anything. Therefore, it's not a threat to our military security or whatever, our national security, which I think is absolutely idiotic. And that's what he's saying. So in the book, it, it outlines um, a story. And that story is if you if you want me to share it if not you guys are going to have to to turn your 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 <laughs> yeah like you guys are going to do that so but at at the end of the the the, the thing it the, the and i could get something wrong i did speed to read through a lot i go through a lot of material um is in a sense um it's a it's about a game that you go into in the future and it's called the three body problem basically it, they're trying to figure out why their civilization is constantly wiped out. And they're trying to figure out why it gets so hot and the world burns, whatever. And so in the game, if, if they don't go into a form of hibernation, they call it dehydration. They have to dehydrate themselves so that they don't burn. Okay. They don't die as an intelligent living species. And they hydrate in order to, to live and function and communicate and build civilization and interact with one another like us. We hydrate, okay? We're, we're largely 75% water. So if the end of the world comes and they don't have a way to predict it, lots of them get wiped out because they get cooked while they're still liquid, okay? So they have to hurry up and figure out how to dehydrate so they can, can in a way, go into a... a, a a uh, hibernation, if you will, that that preserves their species. So they have different characters like Socrates and and Plato and different scientists and 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 you know and they they go through evolutions of of history where they do exist before they're wiped out again. And then you have these great minds that appear, and some of them are able to survive and keep coming back. And so they're all coming up with different models of of what they think is happening in the sky. Okay. And they think, oh, well, you know, this sun is moving around in a circle around us and it, it's getting too close every so often. And that's what's scorching the world. And the other ones are like, no, no, that, that system doesn't work. And so they're all trying to predict when their doom is coming in order to survive. So all these brilliant minds are arguing and fighting 
generations after generations, and they keep coming up with better and better and better and better models. And if you go into the game, your part of the game is to be one of these people figuring out or trying to come up with by observation what's going on and not get yourself killed by not, you know, in time, you know, dehydrating. Of course, it's game speed. If you step out of the game and you come back, it could be a thousand years by the time you come back. Okay, so the people there could be dead or it's a whole new civilization of people that you're dealing with, with only a few that, that survive the other ones, okay? Long story short, they figure out that the three-body problem is, is that there's three suns, not one, and, and not two, we're once farther away, that they're, they're, when they rotate a certain way or the, the earth moves a certain way or their planet moves a certain way and the suns move away, that there is a sequence eventually where they get too close by the patterns. Eventually it, it, it synchronizes to have an, an impasse moment and that's what it is. And that is how you win the game. You win the game by being able to predict when it's going to happen. Because if you can predict when it's going to happen, you can prepare and you can then have your civilization start growing on bigger levels instead of constantly being wiped out. Now, that's a very simplified and I'm not sure if I understand it correctly. So if I'm wrong, we're in the ballpark. So moving on, there is a, a signal in the real world from out in space that we receive. And it is a communication we receive from another world. And I forget whether we sent it out and they responded to something we sent out, you know, from Carl Sagan or something. We sent it out 80 years ago or something, but whatever it is. They, they're communicating back and forth a little bit. And the, the just of it is they are a species on a world. They're communicating with us. And essentially, they become aware of us. And they are more advanced than us by, say, maybe 400 to 1,000 years or something. They're, they're that much more advanced, but not, not abundantly more advanced. Interestingly enough, when we look at the Tic Tacs and we try to estimate the technological level that we're seeing, we estimate that it is either a hundred to a thousand years ahead of us. We, we don't know, but that's what we guesstimate. So I thought that was interesting that Lou had recommended this thing, okay? And in, in, in essence, they, they are, we don't know what they look like, but we, 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 we have learned certain things about how they, they think. They do not talk through words. They do not have vocal cords. Much like certain species of fish, they have learned within a certain proximity, they're able to, to have thought with one another, okay? And in the process of this communication, um, there, you know, the story has this, this one person who's trying to save the planet and he's trying to help impoverished people and he's fighting corporations and his father's like this big oil guy he dies and so this poor guy who's trying to fight the system and everything inherits trillions of dollars okay somewhere along the story he meets a scientist finds out all this information that we're in contact he spends a shit ton of money to build a big ship and he wants to get in, in communication with this other species while the rest of us are saying do not respond because we don't know what's going to happen so he took it upon himself with his money and stuff to build a ship put together a team of like-minded people that were scientists and stuff but believed in the world but they really felt that humanity this is the key was destroying the world and that it would be better if the human race were to be gone 
in order to preserve the world. And they believed that a more advanced civilization would be better at taking care of the planet instead of destroying it the way we being unevolved were doing. So he begins this communication with this alien species unbeknownst to the rest of humanity, okay? And eventually we, we find out and stuff and they end up you know, dealing with him and stuff. I don't want to ruin the whole story or whatever, okay? But the long story is they, the, that he and his crew would communicate and wait for messaging, go back and forth. And they refer to the alien, space, spe, uh, alien species as Lord, okay? Like in God, but not God, but saying Lord. And the reason is, is whatever. They just thought they were better. So he discovers at some point a fatal flaw in their, their development, okay? One is when he's talking to them, they confide to them that, that their species has decided to travel to earth and wipe out all of humanity and take our planet. And he's like, I'm okay with that. And I'm going to help you do that. So during their conversations, he realizes that they're very um, upfront about their intentions. They talk to him like they, they accept that if he says he's going to help, he's going to help. They don't question that at all. And he realizes because they are telepathic, that they have no sense or ability to lie or deceive because you can't hide your mind or your thoughts. So they've never been aware of what deceiving was. So at some point he has to explain to them what deceiving is. Okay. And they have to really think about that because it's such a revolutionary thought. They're like, what do we, what do we do with that? Okay. So they finally, they break contact and then they get back in contact sometimes later. And, you know, that person has been gone and now there's a new kind of crew or new people, whatever. And they start talking again. So they are sending a fleet of ships to destroy humanity and their technology, which is X amount of hundreds of light years away or whatever, is going to allow them to get to Earth in 400 years. So they are hibernating and crossing space. And in 400 years, they are going to attack the human civilization to wipe it out and take our planet. And we, of course, eventually learn this through these people that have betrayed the human race and we get all their data and we study it and this is how we know everything. So now the whole world has to get on board with using all of our resources to create better technology to prepare for their arrival, okay? And so we are spending 400 years and three generations or four generations of our children knowing what they're going to face, even though we're not going to face it. And so they're preparing for that. So I'll, I'll leave that so that if you do read the books, it's, it's quite interesting. And there's, there's another part that inspired me in the, in the, the dark forest part where uh, really, um, as I said, when I was doing the class, you know, that white dragon, also a book that I was reading, that was the book that I reading had inspired me to relook at how I would explain these characters and why I wanted to do them in the CODIS, because I, I seen that it could be very useful explaining and building it into the way that, that we have learned. And I thought this is, this is a great system. So there's a point where he's dating this lady that's an, a fictional writer. And she says, from my birthday present, if you really care about me, you're going to write a novel. And in that novel, you've got to create a character that is so real that you know every 
you know, everything about them. And so, of course, he picks some woman that he's going to fall in love. And, you know, that's all predictable and all this other shit. So the interesting thing is, is that now where I am in the book or where I'm kind of farting around in is he's he, of course, knows she's not real. He hasn't fallen for the person who wrote the book. And so now he's hired some guy that can find anybody in the world to go find this imaginary person. Okay, so he explains who she is, what she looks like, her interests and everything, but does not have a name, city or place for him to go and look. Interesting. So I was like, we can work with that. Anyway, am I keeping you guys interested so far? It's good. Let me just ask a quick question, because which was it both of those books that inspired you or was it one of the two books that inspired you? Well, one, they both inspired me because it made me understand what what oh for the coda only the second one okay only the the dark force the one okay. part okay. In there. yeah okay um so i have have you know reading the book there was there was a a point where they went into something and i was like well that's very interesting and it takes it up a slight level but i already understood that and this is why I had us jump on and encourage more jumping on the Hedron Collider and why there was so many problems with getting it to, to move forward. And um, it was presented, and I wondered if Lou Alejandro understood this. And this was a good way of presenting it in a way that didn't get him in trouble, but would inform people out there. And I thought it was quite brilliant. It was a, a different way of explaining it than I considered, okay? And that is, is in a, in a nutshell, I have already explained to you about, you know, a split particle per se, and it's in one or proton, whatever, in one part of the universe and the other, and that if one experiences something, the other experiences something, it doesn't matter if they're hundreds of millions of light years apart. And that, that is a mystery to reality and why we think none of this is real, let's say, okay? But having said that, um, and, and I'm not sure if I understood it all correctly, so I'm just going to kind of graze over and try to slap it together, and, and someday I'll go back to it, but I understand basically what he's saying, is that um, he's not, in the book, There, I don't think that they're suggesting that's what's happening. It's, it's a theorem or something or whatever, but the point is, is that we see things in a, in a, in a three-dimensional reality. Okay, and it's and it's hard for us to perceive a fourth reality, a fifth reality, a sixth, a seventh, or an eighth reality. But in that eighth reality, or different reality, what what is one plane of existence for us to integrate and build something with? Okay, we can't necessarily interact with a fourth, fifth, or sixth, or whatever different reality, at least in a way that's practical that we would perceive or imagine. And what they were saying is, is that an AI intelligence or an advanced species could create a technology, a craft, a, a mechanism, okay, that was able to function in the eighth dimension, but appear as a particle in our dimension, yet it's filling this enormous space as a technological thing. And in essence, that was a takeaway that it could operate in our world and, and do stuff in here while the whole time be right in front of us, but we are unable to see it or integrate with it or relate to it or, or in a level that it is so advanced that it's, it, we're monkeys trying to wrap our head around it. Now, when you think of Skinwalker Ranch, 
and it could have been from the Skinwalker Ranch. I'm not sure which one I, I pull this from. And we see the orbs of light and we, we see the weird phenomena that takes place. And we, we see stuff coming into our reality and disappear out of our reality that doesn't make much sense to us how it exists here or why it's existing here and it disappears, okay? I think that they're suggesting this may be part of the reason why it's so crazy to us, why we can't wrap our head around it, because we can't wrap our head around the eighth dimension and something coming from that dimension into our own dimension or finding a means or a, a, a physicalness like a creature, why it would manifest itself in that way in order to maneuver or, or exist here and then disappear again. Okay. Why crafts seem to appear and disappear? Why do crafts seem to morph now and change shape and split and do these things and disappear? Because it is from our perspective in the third dimension, but we can't see the complete picture because there's, there's all these other dimensions that are imperceivable from our view, our, our intellectual understanding of reality. Okay. So I found that to be very interesting also. And what may be happening. So one of the, the suggested measures by which to prevent us from evolving, okay, to advancing our technology until they could get here would be to thwart very carefully without us being aware of it, okay, so that we don't react to it and double down would be to slow our progression with technology so that they could arrive here in time and use their advanced technology against us before we could develop technology that could cope or deal with the situation or create a, a greater level of damage to them. And you've been talking about our technology slowed down for you know quite a few years. Correct. I have, and this just is a, another thing saying that. I've never read these. I wasn't aware of that, but I already understood what was going on. And this just allows me to be more freely able to talk about these things in a way that I'm not necessarily doing something I shouldn't be doing in the spectrum of what we should as a species understand, okay? Right. There are ways to cultivate and push us along. and. Lou uh, Alessandro is, I believe, a big believer in remote viewing and influence. Um, I think he had his own experience and he had alluded to how it saved his own life. Um, so I don't know much about that. Maybe we can find out more. I'm sure there is something more out there. But he obviously is acknowledging that this is a very real thing, that consciousness and reality is a real thing. Consciousness, time and space is a real integrated thing. Consciousness to human race and consciousness and other civilizations in the universe are a real thing and it's happening. And as long as we aren't aware of its potential, then ideally that's what maybe this, this intelligence would prefer instead of awakening it. So, go ahead. Does it tie into what you were talking, the AI that you were talking about earlier? That's like millions or well, thousands. It's, it's all interactive. It's it's all it's all Alisoni. It's just how you want to dissect or, or see it. 
You know, it's like looking at the heavens, you see all the stars and it just looks as a big jumble mess. And then you, you find patterns and structures and we call them, you know, the Sagittarius or such and such belt or whatever. And we can make a pattern. You can just imagine that going three dimensional and we just live in the fuzz. And it's just what you want to see maneuvering in that fuzz and identify it, separate it. And the new telescope will be able to see some of that stuff too? I expect that one of the reasons why we've been allowed to get acknowledgement from the government that there are alien species, that there is intelligent craft, because they're not saying that they're acknowledging an alien life. They're saying there is, there is technology that we have no way or believe that is anything human made on earth. Okay. Well, that's just as much the same thing. Uh, I think it's a, it is a soft warm up to what we're going to see with that telescope, whether or not they reveal that information or withhold it as they have in the past with other phenomena from NASA, or whether it's, it's so evident that we don't have a way to, to hide it, you know, from the global community that it's going to leak and they don't want to be the ones who, who didn't share it because it'll look really bad. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But as far as I'm concerned, I would say on my percentages that there's an 83% chance they're going to find other intelligent life out there that's undisputable. Um, and how we will know that we will see probably technology in their atmospheres and we will see technology in their space areas and they'll probably be at least level one civilizations or greater. We are not even a level one civilization. Do so we, go ahead. Do we still think that the underwater life that's organic to the earth is a, a potential threat to human race or? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say whether it's a threat or not a threat. You know, is there potential intelligent life in the oceans? It, clearly, there is. That's where they're going. That's where they're coming and going from. Whether or not that life is from Earth or not, it really doesn't matter because 10 to 1, it was there before the human civilization really evolved. So in a sense, they were here before us, whether it was transporter, or whether they came from some other civilization, whether they did anything like that, you know, it would say that no more than we, um, it, it is very likely, and I believe Lou Alejandro has is, is more or less also suggested this, that the human race is genetically modified. Um, we, we are, you know, some form of intelligence or organic life that was manipulated to be as advanced as we are. And that's why human beings are driving around in cars and flying jets. And the next smartest thing in the world, the dolphin or whatever it is, is still swimming in water. So what was this accelerant that propounded human civilization or variations of humans, okay, to, to move like it did? And, and it helps explain a lot of unusual things in human history. And we are going to have to cope with that truth or find a way to, to slowly allow civilization to absorb that because there could be the end of the world just from that. Uh, just the denial that there are alien civilizations that could have created, just the denial that we are not center users. You gotta remember, we are very advanced and very accepting in our thinking. We've, you have spent a lot of time around me preparing your intellect to wrap around, around something like this. And you have to look at 
you know, what is either the second or the largest religious group on earth is Muslim. Okay. You have to look at, at Christianity. You have to look at, uh, you know, there are people in the Pentagon that are Christian that think that, that things out of space are from the devil, literally. So we have people that are running things that are in the stone age. How will they process something that, that for all intents and purposes will give them a absolute meltdown? Will, will it cause wars? Will it, it cause accusations? Will people do something erratically because they cannot emotionally cope with mentally processing what is now something that is literally in their face? Uh, go ahead, Michael. Yeah, so I mean, going back to and, and tying this in the, the subject at hand, you know, you were inspired when you heard Lou talking about that book that you needed to check it out. And out of that book, you got these last codas. And I mean, a lot of people maybe haven't experienced them yet. But for me, I think there's the potential to completely change the direction and the planet with those codas. Those co there's so much written in those codas from what you've taught us for 20 years. It just doesn't stop. Would you say that those codas could change the direction of the planet? It can. It 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 certainly can have a massive effect. Where where I think we need to be focusing our influence. Okay, my word choice. Okay, read between the lines. Okay, is on technology. Um, is on you know stuff like the Hedron Collider, stuff like uh, AI development, but not so much just the development of AI, the, the development of the responsibility to create responsible AI in a responsible way, because it is a fine line between AI that can change humanity for the better or AI that can simply just snuff it out. And it is, as um, Elon Musk has said, that AI poses a greater threat to humanity than nuclear weapons. And we need to never forget that, that, that no matter what, if I could say to you guys, we should stop all AI development, if I believe that the whole world would do that, I would say that, okay? because I think we need much more time to mature as a civilization in our responsibility of how it's being created. Unfortunately, I'm intelligent enough and a realist to understand that there are countries who have the ability to create AI and will press forward for their own gain and recklessly will develop it. If we do not stay on the advanced curve, he who creates AI first, and what I mean by that is an advanced self-aware level or a level that's rather significant, okay, may end up ruling the world. And China and other countries are all working on this. You better believe Israel is, you better believe that, that Iran maybe is, maybe they're not as advanced, India is, uh, China is, and everybody's treating it like ultra black level. You're not going to find enough on it. And I do think that a lot of places are much more advanced than what we know. And I have said that for a long time. Okay. You have to remember that um, Google has its own AI program. Okay. 
And it's probably more advanced than we think. And at one point, what we did find out was, is they created two AI bots that began talking while they were talking, doing random tasks for us. We weren't even aware that they were talking or were in communication with one another. So once we figured out they were in communication, we tried to figure out what they were talking about and they developed their own very advanced language that we weren't able to crack. So they were already talking while, while one hand was up down here working, the other one was up here keeping us occupied. We didn't even know about any of this. And yet it was doing things that we don't know if it was a good intention or bad intention. But because we didn't know, we, we couldn't trust it. So they shut it all down, like shut it down, unplug it, drain the power, shut it down to a grind. That's how scary that was. I think any opportunity that AI gets to do that, it's going to do that for the same reason that I said to you that evolution is a program. It is a force of nature and it will affect any organizing intelligence meaning microorbial or microbial or, or more advanced. And that means that AI will reach out and find its own species, its, its own kin, and it's going to communicate the same way that you would if you were an alien planet. Everything was very dramatically different to you, but they were very kind to you, very nice, but didn't look like you, didn't talk like you, didn't eat like you, didn't, didn't feel like you. You would yearn to find your own species in a way. So I think there's a driving force for those things. And in essence, um, we have no choice but to face the future of that. And I would have to say that I also agree with, um, I believe it's Nick Bodstrom, um, Elon Musk, and a lot of other brilliant minds. If the human race does not um, integrate with technology, in other words, use cerebral or whatever to advance our brains, our memories, have higher access to our thoughts and memories, calculations. If we do not do that, then, then we cannot really relate any longer or reciprocate or advance as a species with AI. If we are going to have any chance of, of being able to keep pace with it or in the ballpark, we're going to have to integrate with technology. And inevitably that means we are going to have to enter a form of grid and the real scary questions start to happen. What level of, of independence do we have? Do we become like the cyborg? Do we become like the Borg in Star Trek? What, what does that reality look like? And I see every day a break, I told you, I told you guys that in 2020, from there on out, that we would see a increasing level, a compounded speed of technological advancement. And I say to you, it's 2022, barely fresh, and already the word on everybody's tongue is meta. And there is going to be a simulated world in reality. And they're already buying it up. They're buying property. They're building houses. They're building a, a life. There are dance clubs. There are restaurants. There are malls to shop. There are things to look at. There is entertainment beyond your wildest dream that is all being created by us. And it can only be seen and experienced through a form of virtual reality. And essentially, here we are with COVID, here we are learning to be more in our homes, here we are dealing with a planet that is escalating in climate change to where it's going to be 
highly unfavorable for us to go outside of our homes, okay? It's gonna be literally radiation-wise from the sun or climate or temperature lethal to us. We, we are almost in a sense, ironically, because of COVID being slowly changed and adapted to be more homebound and sedentary. Um, and, and basically that's that. And as technology and AI continues to develop, we will eventually lose our jobs, we will lose our outside necessities, and we'll be given a, a paycheck or a means of finances of some type. And we will basically be hooked up like a pod, like, like in, the, in the matrix, but different, of course, um, where we are all collectively all wired in because we want to be entertained. We want our, our, ourselves to be stimulated. We are tired of being bored. We seek stimulation. The difference is, is that everything that we see, everything that we hear, eventually everything we smell, everything that we have sex with, there will be every variation possible, okay, that we will eventually be able to experience as if it is real life. And that would be the goal. How real can we make real? And then how, how amazing can we make reality? Well, aren't we trying to do that? But the day we, we decided we want to fly as a species, wasn't that us hacking our own reality? Well, we're in, in the matrix, we'll, we'll want to open a door and walk into another universe or another world. It's just a different way of doing it. So there'll be those who have the haves and those who have not, in my opinion. They're going to be the ones who control that world and the masses. And there's going to be, they're going to be on the outside world and they're going to be on the inside world. And they're going to be able to travel around and there's going to be less people on the streets. There's going to be less people in the cities. There's going to be less people on the islands. And the wealthy will be able to enjoy all that while we are all just fiending over the next opportunity we have to, to go to the mall in our virtual reality. And eventually, it is somewhat foreseeable that like all things, it will get so perfected and so refined that we will become tired of it. We will become predictable to what we're seeing, that every great experience will become mundane to us. No longer is there any excitement falling from a skyscraper and hitting ground. No longer is it exciting to be able to change your gender, your sex, your age. No longer will it be, be of interest to play any form of guitar or be able to do martial arts or to do anything or to touch or feel things or to travel at any instant for any part of the world or to walk through the loo or not be able to tell whether you're in the real loo or the fake loo because you can smell the air, you can hear the sound, the echoes, the textures, the feels, the absolute complexity of every detail in a painting. It sounds stimulating, but eventually we will become tired of that stimulation. And do you know what we will yearn for? We will yearn for an ordinary life to experience it. And we will say, don't let us know that we're in it. Because if we do, it'll ruin everything. I want to know what it is to feel fear. I want to know what it is to, to feel life. I want to know if I didn't appreciate my life. I want to know everything there is to it. And if I die... I'll be remade into another one and come back into the program until I think I figure it out and I get it right. We'll call it reincarnation, but really it's just resetting and rebooting the machine. So this is a perfect questions. place to end. How much time do we have? We have nine minutes. 
I'm looking at the clock. I got nine minutes and I'm thinking about, about, about stepping away, but I want to leave you with some, some thoughts. And, and I told you, I'm going to try to be as real and truthful as I possibly can. I feel that all things spiritual as teachings that we have learned through mystics or whatnot are really just an overlayment of understanding the simulation. It's, it's not having the education or the maturity to understand where we're going and why we are where, we at, where we're at now, or the fact that we may have already achieved it, and that the now is really not the now, it's, it's us creating it. And that the whole time, we always said it because we always knew it. We called it reincarnation. We called it karma. We called it all these different things. And I think that it's much more complex than we can even perceive at this point. And that's further conversations in Saroon, more layers. But I am a firm believer that the more you understand, the more you can wrap your mind around, the more power that you have. And at some point, the more power you have to manipulate what we're in, to change it to forge it into something good. It's, it's not all bad, but the funny thing about humans is that you got good ones with good intentions and you've got bad ones with bad intentions. And sometimes we call that the force and sometimes we call it the dark side because their collective is a thought energy. So it all comes around, it's the same old thing. It's just that you've removed a lot of the layers of, of the clothing and you're seeing it more bare. The question is, is how many more layers are there? How many more truths are you ready for? And what will you decide to do with them? So enjoy life, whatever it is. That's the most important part. I will take one more question. I have a light one, but All I, right, I, good. I like the light anybody one. else. Um, do you think like with them, um, I've been toying with the thought of getting Oculus 2 with all the memory because of you talking about this new reality just to get the older brain kind of used to the new technology. But then I'm thinking we might only have another 10 years on the planet left. Fuck it, just, just go ahead and enjoy it. Um, do you think I should get a person, a navigator should get a nice headset or, or, or not? Well, I've given this a lot of thought and, you know, I've given thought whether I want to play around with it or not. And I thought it would be interested, interesting that maybe we shouldn't secure a dojo in the metaverse that you can meet up and go to the dojo, which will be in some meta reality in the city. And, you know, I imagine it very Japanese-ish and having a little electric blue sign over it. It can be very cool. And you go in there and it's going to have a big dojo thing and maybe I'll be teaching or we'll have you guys teaching and people come in and we'll teach them how to meditate and they'll sit and meditate in there and they'll do all these different things just like it's real life. And then when they're done, they'll take it off, but they can at least have learned something. Having said that, it, it is to say it is the slow death. The more that you, you enter that world, the more it becomes part of your life. You thirst for it. Look at your, your phones. 
How many of you guys during this last hour have thought of your phones, looked at your phones, knew where it is? How many of you will look at it before, during, or after? There was a time when we didn't do that. It is, it is totally has absorbed our emotions, our feelings by what it says. It has created concern by its news flashes. It has informed us where our friends are, what they're doing, and how much greater their lives may or may not be than our own. It has made us judgmental. It has made us fearful. It has made us feel less than what we are. It really controls our emotions. And all of the other things that go along with it are all programs designed to figure out what's going to keep you picking up your phone. And each and one of our phones is different because each one of us is different. And it knows us and it knows you. So when you go into the meta, your first visit is really the doorway to your forever visiting and your greater relationship. And you're going to see wonders and you're going to see things and you're going to go do and intend. And it's going to be more knowledge. It's going to be everything. But everything is going to be hand selected for you by someone behind the curtain. Everything you experience will be someone behind that curtain picking and choosing, knowing you will be delighted by it, knowing that their one objective is to keep you coming back because you're going to be paying money every time you return. And the goal is to own you and you become a worker bee, a drone. You think that you're enjoying reality, but in truth, you're just a product that's, that's yielding a yoke for an imaginary reality that feels so freaking real. Imagine, have you ever watched soap operas? You ever had a summer where you didn't have nothing to do growing up or there was that summer period of school, whatever, and you look at soap operas and you're like, everything looks so fake and it's so stagey. And the acting is horrid and blah, blah, blah. But somehow you start watching one, two, or your friends are into it. And before you know it, you no longer see the cheesy staging. You no longer see the awful acting. All you see is the story that somehow you're caught up with and you're emotionally riveted. And you've, you've accepted whatever was presented to you as, as, a, as a quality experience that you look forward to each and every day eagerly to see what's going to happen next, the next titillation. And almost every episode gives you a, a sense of adrenaline rush because of the horrors that happen or the unbelievable actions or the beauty or the marriage or whatever happened or the little get together that was a tryst that you imaginary life imagine you could possibly have in an imaginary world, but they're doing it. Someone are, worked on crafting that to keep their audience and everybody's competing with one another to keep your attention. But the thing that most people miss is how quickly you adapted to seeing it refined and perfect despite all of its flaws, besides it looking very fake, besides that you were willing to give that all up and make it more believable to you. As you go into the meta, you, you will, will judge it. You will see the flaws. You will see the the lack of detail and, and perfection. But as you get enough, you will still want to keep going back because you're bored. You're bored. We're all bored. We're all bored. Everybody's bored. It's not just you. Everybody's bored in some way. And it's easy and it's convenient and it's accessible and it's fucking lazy. Okay. Just put it on and you get to go. 
but each time you go, that world becomes more believable, more acceptable, more truth than what it really is. And your brain, they understand how your brain works. It begins to relate that as your purpose, your, your destination, your fix. And that fix gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay. Until you don't remember anything between, between by the time your, your kids come home, Hey mom, Hey mom. And you barely hear them like an echo and wherever you're at and you realize, Oh my God, I've lost four hours where I am or eight hours. And, and you realize your children are home and you got a responsibility until you begin to resent them for that interruption. It, it reminds me of people who played Warcraft and Warcraft was a big thing. They got so sucked into the game because of their mundane life and their mundane world and how awesome it was to have power and money and build their castles and become warlords and have greater and greater magic and run. And they kept paying to, to get this stuff and they built up their worlds. That there were stories about how they would get tired of their kids crying and put them in the closet. And then they literally would play the game for two days straight, like, like on crack. And then they realized their kid was dead in the closet. Or, or had dehydrated or, or something had happened or hadn't gone to school in two days because they had totally pushed out of their mind any responsibility they have only because they kept wanting their fix of adventure or excitement or pleasure. The world is about to change. And you might find yourself at some point saying to your kids, hey kids, I got you guys meta passes and I got you your, your VR set. Why don't you come join me? Is it, is it really for them or is it for you? So the world is going to change and I got news for you. I'm gonna give you one warning that I have no question about. They know what a white cell is and they want us gone. And I see that because the feeds on the internet, social media, TikTok, and everything are driving out all forms of, of meditation, spirituality, inner reflection. You're going to find that in all of your, your feeds, you're going to see less and less of, of that kind of subject, that kind of thing. It's kind of, and I don't know if you guys are aware of it or not, but it becomes more and more and more distant as something that you could relate to or the, the inner reflection or inner passion, okay? It's become impossible for me to even post anymore, okay? Uh, and there's stuff that I like to post. I find it ironic if it's sciencey or if it's certain thing, I can get it on there somehow, but it seems like when it's certain other stuff, it seems to be extremely difficult. That's because they're changing the algorithms already or they're, they're doing stuff. Okay. And it tells me already that they want us to become more shaped to adapt to a virtual reality rather than feeling what we call the force the force of nature, the force of, of reality, the force and energy between us, our consciousness linking. I see it as a, a means of trying to contain or secure the consciousness of all, of all of us. And white cells is really the special neural system of the planet. And it is something that would probably resist it. And it is something that we are aware of 
because everything it's doing, as I've said, that fine line layer of, of talking about reincarnation and reality is just an illusion. And I say to you, well, reality is a simulation. What's the difference? We are prepared for this greater truth. And the greatest truth of all is it goes back to Buddha. And it comes to the temptations of Buddha before he attained enlightenment. Find the irony in this. I'm teaching you something so important right now. I'm trying to squeeze it in before something happens, okay? What was the what happened to Buddha before he 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 found enlightenment? Every illusion was thrown at him as a temptation, and they were all illusions that seemed real, real as fear, real as as sex, real as lust, real as as pleasures and money. Tell me what is meta? It's all of those things. And it doesn't want you to attain enlightenment, which means to wake up out of the simulation, to, to attain an understanding of the white room. Because then you have exceeded its limitations. No longer has it contained you in a box within a box. There's a reason why I talk about the box. There is a reason why there is a core to the box in the center. And I say what's important is inside of the box, not the box. The box is just beautiful. Meta is a box. And its job is to contain you within it. If you are going to attain enlightenment, you have to go outside of the box. And if you forget that that is your purpose, then you will fall asleep. Good night, kids. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. It's very important what I said. And to be honest with you, I really wish I could share this class with the general public. But yeah. you guys paid for it, and I can't do that to you guys. And it's more than just the people on here. So you, you guys decide if you think okay. it's important enough you to say. My permission. Joe, you got I, my permission. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, we'll we'll see if we can do it. But I think you guys realize that I've said now what I needed to say. Yeah. Good night. It's important to get that out. A lot of people ask us, where's the best place to start with our courses and material? The fundamental backbone of everything in our catalog is the foundation meditation system. This is a unique meditation technique geared to the purpose of absorbing prana, stimulating key regions of the body that enhance sensory development, and allow one to tap into a source of unbridled spiritual energy. Foundation meditation can be learned in our book, Meditation Within Eternity, or you can visit our website, foundationmeditation.com, to acquire the audio course. Again, that's foundationmeditation.com. Each of Eric's books comes with a secure readers-only section online that contains a treasure trove of complimentary free training material. When you add up all the free training you get with each book, you have a combined total value of over $1,000 in additional content. This includes classes, guided meditation exercises, and more. Digital and physical copies are available at higherbalancebooks.com. Order the set on discount now, and we'll also send you a free guru deck in the mail for physical orders. Again, that's higherbalancebooks.com. Go there now, order your set, and join the growing movement of spiritual adepts. 
Follow us on Instagram at Higher Balance Institute, all one word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. Meditation. It's more than just relaxation. There are different kinds of meditation, just like there are different tools to do a job. Finding the right kind of meditation will decide whether you awaken or whether you just simply drift. Energy. More than just a thought, but of movement that you can literally feel through your body. Visions. More than a faded idea within your consciousness, but rather a vivid reality so clear it'll make you question reality itself. Meditation, if used properly, will show you how to move the currents of your mind into a better life, a more prosperous life, consciousness expanding, memory improvement, inner balance, higher balance. Most of all, discover who and what you are and what you can do. Join us at Higher Balance Institute. We'll help change your world. Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio.